श्री गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए हरि नाम प्रभु की जाए बहुत प्रेमानंदे कंटिन्यू विद आवर डिस्कशन डिस्कशन ऑफ ब्रेड भागवत थामृता discussion about Sanatan Goswami wrote a commentary to Brihad Bhagavatamrita entitled The Dig Darshan and now we'll begin with text one we're going to discuss as much as time allows the beginning of the Brihad Bhagavatamrita including some verses about ten or eleven verses that Sanatana Goswami has written uh, to invoke auspiciousness and um, in that auspicious invocation, Mangalachara, and then he will glorify Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Sri Krishna, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the gopis, their love for Krishna, and the uh, sacred places where that love is manifest, and we will glorify Bhakti Devi and Krishna Nam means to attain that love and uh, then he will begin a description of the nature of the book itself where the Brihat Bhagavatamrita comes from the book that he's commenting on and which explains the essence of Bhakti so up until the point where the narrative that the book consists of in its uh, original form as described by Sanatana Goswami begins. You can take it from there. So, verse 1. Jayati nijapadabja prema dhanavatirno bibida madurim abdi kopi kaishora gandhi Gatta parama dashantam yasya chaitanya rupad anubhava padam aptam prema gopishu nityam. So, this is the first verse of his um, auspicious uh, invocation, and he really, in effect, tells us much of what this book is about here. And in doing so, he glorifies Sri Krishna but in a somewhat indirect way without mentioning him personally, but rather by way of speaking about his qualities and activities. And of course, by a person's qualities and activities and so forth, uh, we, we know them by what they do and what good qualities or bad qualities they may have. If we describe about them, then that's getting to the person the person whom uh, he doesn't name directly. And in one sense, by doing that, speaking about him indirectly, or speaking about it, I say that, which he, his qualities and wonderful things that he does, his name uh, becomes conspicuous by its not being mentioned. So in one sense, in fact, he's drawn our attention to the name of Krishna, which later on, in this Mangalacharan, he will directly uh, glorify as well. But, as you well know, the name of Krishna is the principal means by which 
Krishna consciousness is distributed in which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu therefore took part in, in chanting. He says about this person, mysterious person, we will know him, as I say, by hearing description of him. Jayati Nija Padabja Prema Dana Dana He says all glories, Jayati, to that person who descends Abhutar means to descend, so who descends to give the dan, the gift of prem, love, to his own lotus feet. Krishna actually came to give love, prem, for himself. And as we know, he was somewhat tripped up in that. Somewhat, there was an obstacle that he encountered in that attempt. But he came because why? He came because, as Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami has described, he's not very pleased by other kinds of devotion, but prem for himself. And this means the prem of the Maturamandal, of, of Brajadham, of Vrindavan, this kind of prem. It's very special. And it is this kind of frame that this book is really about. Other people approach him in different ways. They approach him for material gain. This doesn't attract him very much. They approach him for liberation. This is not very appealing to him. You can understand that, that if, if someone approaches you and they want, um, want your money, you're not very attracted. <laughs> That's a real put-off, a real turn-off. If someone wants uh, your knowledge to use for themselves, that's also unbecoming. We see that sometimes people take the knowledge of others and they don't give credit where credit is due and so forth. It's unbecoming. So if we knew that someone was after us for that, then that would not be very attractive. So people approach Krishna for material gain, they approach for liberation. Knowledge means liberation. And it doesn't attract him. People also approach him with devotion. But he's not very much attracted by that either. What he's attracted by, and what makes him what he is, what makes him tick, so to speak, is this frame, love, that reaches a pitch where there is no real distinction between himself and those loving him. I don't mean that in a in terms of Nirvishesh or Mayavad idea of becoming one, but one in in love where there's a union that uh, is almost it does away with the offering, the act of offering. You are the offering. You become the offering. This is what Prem is about. One becomes the very love itself that is non-different from Krishna. Now we are separated by desire. So when we have no separate desire from Krishna and we have and love for Krishna in a particular way manifests in our heart, then that's what we become. Now we are our desire. Our desire and our attachments have uh, defined our Personality. I've often said our my is our I. You follow me? 
what we think of as ours, as mine, that defines our sense of self. So we are our attachments. Then this, interestingly, that stage of bhakti in which we cross over from a material identity to a spiritual identity, what do we call that stage? That's called asakti. It's the last stage of sadhana bhakti. And it means attachment also. So just as material attachments define our identity, so when our attachment develops for Krishna, it, it uh, defines our, our self. An identity arises out of that attachment. And that identity is, is, uh, is um, manifestation of Krishna's internal energy. It's a particular kind of love for Krishna. When you love someone, then you identify with them. And so that love causes him to appear in a corresponding form. In that sense, that love is non-different from him. And you can't have Krishna without love of Krishna. You can't have love of Krishna without Krishna. So this is the kind of love, this very special frame that this book is about. And Krishna wanted to come and give it. And here it's mentioned that Sanatana says, gives uh, honorific all, I can't say more about him, glories to him who comes to bestow love for himself. Implication here is also that what? That no one can give this love. No other avatar of Krishna can give this kind of love of Krishna. Only Krishna can do it. So as Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami writes in his Chaitanya Charitamrita, he wanted to do that because, again, in one sense, he's not really very much attracted to other types of approaches to him. Even that devotion that is, well, it's devotion. It's a good thing. <laughs> But he's not that attracted to that, where I see him as the object and I'm making offering and so forth. And, and uh, we, we don't find that much of that going on in, in Vrindavan, putting Krishna on the throne, making offerings to him and so forth. And, you know, the devotees have become the offering itself. The offering and the object to which the offering is made have have merged. The devotees see that that, that, that uh, this is their life. I mean, it's just like if you're a uh, servant of someone, and if you're my servant and I give you some wood and I say, uh, here, take this wood and then build a table. Here's how you do it. I give you the power to do it, the instruction to do it, and so forth. And uh, I keep it here in, in the room. So you, when you're building the table, you, you didn't gather the ingredients. You know that they're, they came from me. The ability to do it came from me. And the table's mine. <laughs> and you're just there. <laughs> this is how the devotee loses his identity in one sense, think, of thinking himself to be the doer, and that there's something to offer to someone and, and so forth. Uh, uh, no. He becomes the offering. He just becomes part of the whole. He merges with Krishna in love, is the idea. So, this kind of prema, only Krishna can give this. So he identifies him in this way. 
Oh, glorious to he who gives praim of it uh, to his own lotus feet, who descends for that purpose. Again, Krishna Kavira said he, uh, through his pen, Brajendananda and Krishna is speaking there in, in the fourth chapter of Chaitanya Charitamrita's Adi Lila. And Krishna is saying, Oh, for a long time I haven't given this. This is why he comes. There are some devotees, means in the world, whose devotion, perhaps since the last time that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came, <laughs> they've been cultivating this bhakti that he gave the seed for. And now, another day of Brahma has passed, and they've reached the point where they're prepared to take birth in Krishna Leela when it descends to the world. Sometimes the devotees ask, and I think the last time I was asked here, how long will it take to go back to Godhead? So we give different answers at different times. <laughs> this is another answer. <laughs> it could take a while. The real answer is, it's not the right question to ask. When will I go there? When will I see Krishna? When, when will I arrive? This is, you're distracted from the whole process by asking the question. If we're waiting for something to happen, then we're not very well engaged in bhakti. So we shouldn't have extra time on our hands for such considerations. When will it happen? It's happening in the service. This is the whole idea. It is the service. As they say, the, uh, the journey is the destination, something like that. So, to be so consumed, this is the idea. Not to measure and count when I will get there. Could take a long time. We should be prepared to hear that. So, this is one way to think about it. In one book, I believe, maybe Harinam Chintamani, of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he makes a statement like that. Better get going on this, because it can take yugas to pass through the different stages. So, we shouldn't be discouraged by that. The, the idea is, is to understand what it is that we're connected with. And if we do, to the extent that we, we're understanding that, then we can be, have some solace in the fact that to be connected to a great thing, even in the, in the smallest way. And not only uh, are we connected in the smallest way, but we're assured that, that no way to be connected to it is small, for that matter. Such is the nature of it. It's so wonderful. Any connection with it is wonderful. And further, that connection will only increase more and more and more. Therefore, the only thing we're cautioned about is those things that will serve as an obstacle. Material desires are not much of an obstacle. They're there. They get in the way a little bit, but they can be overcome. But offenses and these things, that's problematic. So such an emphasis on that is given considerable emphasis. We should be aware of those. But at any rate, we should be encouraged. Like I've given an example before. If you had a part, however insignificant, as in the movie industry they have extras, people can go down to Hollywood, just south of us in California, and wait in line to get in the commercial and get paid a few dollars to, to get on there or in some movie to, to have to be walking with your the back of your head to the camera for a split second and so forth. It doesn't pay much. But if the movie happened to become the Academy Award winner and so forth, then you'd want to tell your friends that you were in that movie. <laughs> How I was in that movie. There's the back of my head. There, You see that? Just for a moment. 
we think it's a wonderful thing. So, what to speak of this? The drama of Krishna Leela. This is it. Doesn't get any better than this. This is what he means here when he says jayati. This is inconceivable. Such a thing. And this is our destination. That kind of love and the place that corresponds with that. That is the subject of this book. That kind of love, he wants to go through and analyze everything short of that for our sake. To indirectly emphasize, and through the words of great, uh, mostly great devotees themselves. So it's, it's unanimously uh, kind of confirmed and understood, and it's, it's, it's cemented in our consciousness that Hanuman is saying it really and Pandavas is saying it and this one is saying these planets they're saying it and that place they're saying it that this is the best thing and this is this is what it means to get Krishna's mercy and this is the place where it's manifest these two things are the subject of this book the first part of the book is that that praying which draws the greatest reciprocation from Krishna his mercy the second part of the book is about that place, that location, that corresponds with that brain, that consciousness. So, such an exciting text and encouraging. Where are we on the map of life and reality? Where are we going? What direction? What do we think is important? This is what's discussed in here. You get your priorities straight, something like that. And in a very very powerful way. If you know who these people are, like Shiva and Brahma, Narada, and, and so forth. Once Prabhupada was asked by one of his disciples that why don't the most intelligent people in the world become devotees of Krishna? Do you know what he said? He said they do. Narada's become a devotee. Prahlad, Brahma, Shiva. So he had a different... Uh, kind of perspective on what, what the world was and consisted of and who the players were and who was <laughs> intelligent. Intelligence, of course, is like anything. There's quantitative measurement and a qualitative measurement also. So we may be quantitatively very intelligent, but the quality of their intelligence may be rajasic or tamasic. So they will use it for those ends. And we may not have as much quantity, but it may be sattvic in quality. And what is the symptom of that? In the very least, that sattvic type of intelligence is one that cannot be satisfied with the idea of living in a world that doesn't endure and pursuing happiness in relation to things that won't endure when indeed one wants enduring happiness. So you're all troubled or blessed by that, I think blessed by that kind of, this is um, the beginning of then Sumedhisa, good intelligence and then within that to catch this idea of what is given in this, this book and Gaudiya Vaishnavism which comes ultimately as we'll see through the worship of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that is real fine, fine intelligence, Sumedhisa means very fine intelligence this is mentioned in Bhagavatam. Those who have that, they can understand and they take to the worship of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu by Krishnanam Sankirtan. So this Prem, he says, glories to this Prem. Only Krishna can give it. No other avatar. Oh, it's a very special 
descent when he comes to give that. And we know that there are a number of other reasons behind that. Not only does he come, as I'm mentioning, to give that to those souls who for so long have been cultivating this kind of bhakti, having been given the opportunity. As I said, this is one way to look at it, by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Usually we think Krishna comes first and then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu comes. That's, yes, one explanation. But another explanation is that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu comes first and gives the opportunity for bhakti. As Siddharmarsh used to like to say, first the giver, then the gift. So, looking at it from that angle, Mahaprabhu gives the gift, the opportunity that Krishna himself came to give but was uh, met with some impediments, stunned as he was by the love of Radha, the measure of it. He questioned his own position, and that impeded his ability to bestow the love in one sense. So at any rate, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was coming, giving the opportunity for this love in no uncertain terms, and all kinds of people are taking it up. And some of them just beginning, and it may take a long time to reach perfection. And from that vantage point, if we look at it like that, Krishna's coming again in the day of Brahma, and who's he coming for? He's coming for them. Now they are just ready, just becoming ripe after a long time. And what is the ripe stage? Then when one becomes ripe with prem, then what, is, what happens to one who wants this kind of bhakti? Then he or she takes birth in Krishna Leela on earth, in Vrindavan, from a gopi, becomes a cowherd person, meets Krishna, Krishna's friends, associates, and, and all. And that love is int- intensified and developed, and then he goes back with Krishna when Krishna's lila becomes unmanifest. Wonderful story. So, in one sense, Krishna's coming for them. He's not coming to kill the demons. This is a byproduct of his coming, to establish dharma and so forth. It's secondary. But to protect the devotees, to nourish the devotees, and these, and who are mature devotees, that means in, in whom this, this Swarup Shakti is manifest in their heart, they have the power to attract Krishna, the power to draw him. He can't resist them. As I said earlier, that love causes the Lord to appear in a particular form. You see him as their friend, as their lover, as their son. He's controlled by that. So he has to come like in a form that corresponds with their heart. This is drawing him to the material world. With them he interacts. Other people get some side benefits, hearing about it, seeing it, and so forth. And with those he returns. So this is his own prerogative. In general, that's the case. If God wants to show himself, he can be seen. Otherwise, not. Sridharmarsh liked to tell the story of Dhritarashtra. Dhritarashtra was blind from birth. And just before the battle of Kurukshetra, Krishna came to Hastinapur. And there, uh, Duryodhan wanted him to be on his side and, and so forth. And uh, what did Krishna do? He... He didn't want to be on Duryodhana's side. And one thing led to another, and anyway, Krishna showed a wonderful form. 
he showed the universe inside himself, some type of viratarup, universal form, vision was shown. And everybody's going, oh my goodness, look, Krishna is done like this. <gasps> oh, and they're talking about it. And Dhritarashtra was blind. So he was becoming agitated. And he, and, he, and he said, Krishna, please, just once, give me eyes so that I can see this wonderful thing that you're doing. And Krishna said to him, see me without eyes and showed him the form. Otherwise not. Idea being, if he wants to show, he can show. To a blind person, to any, to any person. And one may have all good 2020 vision, whatever may be the case, and not see him. So this is the rule in general about God. If he wants to show himself, he can be known, otherwise not. Not by the force of our own senses, mind, or intellect. What to speak then of Krishna himself? If he wants to come and give the preem by which, it means if he gives that to you, he's finished. You understand? If he gives you that frame for himself, then he becomes like a, a toy in your hands. What kind of a thing that is? This is very extraordinary. He doesn't give that just to anybody and everybody. At least that wasn't his plan. But something happened. We'll get to that. Of course, and that's described in this verse also. But this is the first thing he says. This glory is to that person who gives the frame of his own self. Prem for his own lotus feet who descends for that purpose. Vivida Madhuri Mabdhi Kopi Gandhi. Now, a couple other things he says. That he is an, a veritable ocean of all different kinds of sweetness. Krishna's Leela is called Madhurdya. Madhurdya Leela. Madhurdya means sweetness. It doesn't only refer to his uh, conjugal love with the gopis, although that's the zenith of that love, but it, it means sweet that his godliness is suppressed, recedes to the background, and it's there in the background, which is part of what makes it sweet. In other words, he performs human-like activities, but the fact is that he's God. And so that becomes extraordinary and charming and sweet that he would become like us and come on our terms, so to speak, human-like. So Sanatana Goswami says, Glory to that person who is uh, like an ocean of various kinds of uh, sweetness. You cannot find the, the, the limit of that. And like a doll made out of sugar, anywhere you taste it is, is sweet any connection with him. The whole of his leela is pervaded by this sweetness. When we take it in terms of his love for Radha and the gopis, it's the same way. It's all pervaded by that. It goes everywhere, that Madhurya. That's the dominant, that's the story. That is the story of his life. It, it comes to that. And there are different players in it and so forth, all of which are required. But this is the story of the life of, of Sri Krishna. He's captivated by the gopi's love. He couldn't come to that. But first he says like this, oh, he's an ocean of sweetness. Glory to that person who's an ocean of various kinds of sweetness. The kind of sweetness means like prema madhurya, lila madhurya, rupa madhurya, venu madhurya. Four things. These four types of madhurya are mentioned. Venu means flute, sweet flute. Mm, that will be discussed also as we continue. 
sweet kind of prem. He's surrounded by devotees who are endowed with this extraordinary prem. Rupa Madhurya, sweet form, and uh, Leela Madhurya's pastimes are just incredibly sweet. These are four types of Madhurya that he's characterized by that we don't find in Narayan or any other avatar. So, these kinds of sweetness. You do hear about Narayan's pastimes like this? Practically not worth discussing in comparison. Form, he has no flute. And his devotees, they have, they have love, but not like this kind of love. Extraordinary love. So an ocean of sweetness and his uh, he has the scent of a youth. And Sanatana Goswami has explained in his commentary that this youth, Kaishor, means youth. It means like just uh, adolescence. Such an attractive time in one's life is leaving the boyhood, the childhood, the boyhood, and not yet becoming a man in between it's very attractive everybody wants that they want to get those people to go to their college or or to enlist in the in their uh, branch of the military they're out there recruiting for those people or or to get them in their particular uh, company and corporation and so forth that's where they go the big sports scouts and so forth now they try to get the seniors in high school Forget college and just come and join and sign. We'll give you so much money to play and so forth. So this is very uh, attractive time. When a young, young boy tries to act like a young man, he's not quite there. <laughs> Neither is a child. It's very attractive. So mystics, they've seen him like this. And Tanatham Goswami says that this Kishore, this youthfulness of his, is so extraordinary that it pervades all the stages of his life. Krishna has different stages of his life that uh, manifest in Leela. Komar, Poganda, Kishore, and Dyovana. It means like infancy from one to five, is the general idea. Childhood, then uh, the adolescence, and youthfulness. It ends there. He doesn't get older than that. Turning from Kishore to a youth. But in Vrindavan, he's a Kishore. In Tura and Dwarka, he becomes youthful, a young man. But he's in, kind of like an adult. But here, and he's not quite, quite an adult. He says that this Kishore is so attractive, this feature, that it, it pervades the other features. These are like phases of the moon, if you will. And they appear at some time, and then as the moon becomes more full, they're there, but something more is there also, like that. So he says, Sananda Goswami says, that this Kishore pervades all the other phases of his life. It's hard to understand entirely. In the Nitya Lila, he's, he's a Kishore. Still, Mother Yasoda will see him with eyes of motherhood. So she sees the Kishore Krishna, but sees him like her child, like a mother will, will never see her son has grown up. She treats him like often that he's still young and, and so forth, to his frustration and 
although it's, it has some charm to it. But even in the Prakat Leela, the manifest Leela, when he actually appears as a child, there is a trace, scent, of this charming youthfulness in him. So in this way, Sanatana Goswami has glorified this person who gives the frame of himself, the sense for that purpose, who's an ocean of sweetness, who's pervaded by the scent of youthful adolescence, and then, Gata Parama Dashantam Yasya Chaitanya Rupad Anubhava Padamaptam Prema Gopishu Nityam, he says. That person, glories to him, who, taking the form of Sri Chaitanya, so now he's identifying this person who he had been describing with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as well, who is taking the form of, of Sri Chaitanya. And this is the be-all and end-all of Sanatana Goswami, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who made this all possible. Of course, he made it all possible, but without Sanatana Goswami and so forth and, and other such, it would not be possible. It would have happened and who would have known about it? They are making it known. So our respect goes to them. Rupa Goswami gave a nice verse here in the beginning. It's been mentioned that only Krishna can give love of himself. Rupa Goswami saw Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. What did he say when he saw him at Prayag? He paid his obeisances to him. Then his name was Sri Krishna Chaitanya. He said, Namo Mahavadanaya Krishna Prema Pradayate Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya Namne Gauratise Namah he said, praise unto you, Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya. He said, his name is Krishna Chaitanya, Sri Krishna Chaitanya. Namo Mahabodhanaya, praise to him who his guna, his quality is that he is Mahabodhanaya. He's all supremely magnanimous, supremely generous, and namne gorotvise, gorotvise nama. His rupa means his form is a uh, golden complexion. And his lila, what is his lila? Momahavadanaya, Krishna prema pradayate. His lila is, his play is giving out love of Krishna. In this nice verse, a very famous verse, our attention is drawn to the to the spiritual intelligence of Rupa Goswami. On the spot he composed the verse, seeing Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Prayag. He glorified his name, his guna, his rupa, means his name, his quality, his form, and his lila. And he could understand that because his lila is to give prem of Krishna, who is he? He must be Krishna himself because only Krishna, as we've heard, can give praise of Krishna. So, he, <laughs> very intelligent. So, as I say, how would we know? Yes, without Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, as we read earlier in the morning, what would we know? But hmm, we have to go a step further from there. Without Rupa Goswami, without Sanatana Goswami, without our Guru Parampara, how would we know? what the gift was. Someone is offering you a gift, but, but you don't know. I have to tell you. There's a gift for you waiting here. The 
at the post office. Just like at Audaria, then the people come and they put a little notice in the box. You have a gift. You have a package. Then you have to drive down to the post office to get it. So the Guru Parampara is coming like that. You have a gift. A gift is, has been given to you. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has left a gift for you. This is how you get it. You have to go down this road like this. It's waiting here for you. <laughs> so he says, Gata Paramadashantam Yasya Chaitanya Rupa. He's assumed the form of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And, he says further, in the form of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, what happened? This person who he's talking about, this Krishna, in the form of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he realized the final end, the ultimate um, beauty and uh, perfection of transcendental experience. This was the problem that he ran into, Krishna, that he saw when he descended to distribute his love of himself. He witnessed that the love of the gopis was greater than his. And so this became a problem. So he adapted a means then. Krishna adopted the means to experience that himself, that particular kind of love. And in doing that, he became Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then he made this widely available. Therefore, Rupa Goswami wrote that famous verse, Anarpita charim charat karunaya bhattina karu samarpaitam unatojurasam sabhakti sriyam hari purta sundra divti kadambasandipita sadahradaya kandurais purtovasa chinandana. It's a very important verse. This verse was written by Rupa Goswami and it was the verse to his book called Vidagdumadava that glorified the deity of his book. When he came to Jagannath Puri, then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu sought to point him out, as he did also with Sanatana Goswami, but this, in this instance, Rupa Goswami, to point him out to all of the other assembled devotees, his associates. After all, as we said earlier this morning, they were kept at a distance. They weren't really allowed to come to the party very much, Rupa Sanatana. They had to write, write books and do homework and things for us. They especially have endeared themselves to us for this kind of thing. So when he came to Puri, Mahabharata had, of course, had met him, had enlightened him, had empowered Rupa Goswami, given him the, the teachings and empowered him to explain them. How? In what way? He said, just like Brahma was empowered at the dawn of creation, Kaviraj Goswami describes, at the beginning of the Parampara by Krishna, to reveal all the Vedic truths, so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was Krishna himself empowered Rupa Goswami to reveal the truth of the truth, things that, that even Brahma couldn't fully understand, and or Vyas for that matter. So he wanted to introduce him to all the devotees. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came. With, there was Rupa staying with Haridas Thakur. And um, he had composed a book, and Rupa and Haridas was hearing some verses. Mahaprabhu came. He liked the verses very much. He called other devotees, Ramananda and others who were big rasikas, big poets, and very learned and sophisticated type of people, poets, literatures, and, and so forth. 
they're high class people. He brought them to hear his, his Rupa Goswami was just a mendicant. To look at his writing, it said that his writing, it's, uh, his penmanship was like rows of pearls. So beautiful. What to speak of the content? And so, Mahaprabhu asked uh, that uh, a verse would be heard, and he gave a nice verse about the glories of the holy name. Oh, when I hear the nectar of these two syllables, Krishna, in his drama, Purnamasi is speaking, Yogamai herself, then these two syllables, they enter the courtyard of my heart and my senses become stunned. I wish I had thousands of ears and thousands of tongues to do justice to the nectar of these two syllables. She's going mad. This beautiful verse was quoted. Then Ramana says, what about this verse? And he's speaking technically there about different aspects of dramatic and poetic writing that should be in place. There's a system to that. What about this verse? What, what, what did you do for this verse? What did you do for that verse? Huh. Oh, and they're all relishing this. And Mahaprabhu was showcasing this Upagosami is a rasika. He says there, without becoming a rasika, one cannot understand me. One cannot understand Krishna. So, Ramana says, what about, let's hear the verse glorifying the deity of the book. So he gives this verse. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, that is a bit of an exaggeration. I think that is over the top, that verse. But every other devotee thought, oh, that was good, I like that. Krishna selected that verse, put it in his Chaitanya Charitamrita. It's the Ashirvad sloka of his, his Mangalacharan. In his auspicious invocation to Chaitanya Charitamrita, this verse, Anarpita charim charat bhakti sriyam. It's a, Ashirvad means to give a blessing. It's a verse. He's giving a blessing to the devotees. Oh, devotees, he says. This Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has come and he's giving something that hasn't been given for forever. Never been given before. What does it mean, never been given before? It means no one ever gave it but him. He does come again and again, not very often, Kaviraj Goswami explains, once in the day of Brahma, but it's only when he comes that it gets made available like this. So it's never been given before. I mean, it's also but never by anybody else. And not for a long time. Sometimes it's translated like that. And it might as well have been never before. Because, you know, the yugas are pretty long. And if you take a thousand of them together, it becomes... I don't think the calculators go that high. Such a long time. It's not worth thinking about. Sometimes the devotees want to know their with their curiosity. What about in the other yugas? And, uh, and it's not very important. <laughs> Deal with this yuga. That's big enough. And it's pertinent. We're living in it now. Most of the information available will be available for this yuga that's pre current for this yuga. This makes sense. Once Prabhupada was asked, who's the uh, avatar for Treta Yuga? And Prabhupada, you know what he said? I don't know. Next question. <laughs> so, why, why, for that matter, we're not concerned with any other other avatar. But the Prabodhananda Saraswati said, "Who cares that Varaha lifted the world with his with his snout, which is a pretty extraordinary thing from the Plutonic regions, as the story goes." And uh, who cares about that, or that this avatar did this, or this avatar? This is all put that on the back page. It's all become a footnote to the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And what he has done 
in human society. What blessing he has given to the earth. And Rupa Goswami is extending this blessing. He says he came for a, after a long time, or never before. And what is he giving? He's giving unutoldurasam sabaktisriyam. This highest love, this brightest jewel of, of rasa. He's giving this to everyone. And Rupa Goswami says, may, this is his blessing, may that person, the son of Sachi, it's a very affectionate way of speaking of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu been brought up by his mother, nourished by her, you can imagine how much loving she was, fondness she has for him. May the son of Sachi means, he, because he been raised affectionately, he can give affection. This is the idea. What kind of affection he can give? Mother Sachi says, Jashoda Mai. She's uh, once, my Gavardhan Shingar Maharaj asked me, Who's the creator of the world? I said, I don't know. You tell me. I know you have something special on your mind, so I, I didn't want to say Brahma or <laughs> I know he, he said, Mother Yashoda, she has given, she has given us birth to the world. <laughs> this is his idea. Because she has, she is the mother of Krishna. Actually, it is said that the one Kavikarnapur has written that Krishna Leela appeared on earth to give Mother Yasoda the chance to actually experience the birth of her son. Because in the Niti Leela, he's not born there. When he comes to earth, then he can actually take birth. That's why I like to say that this Krishna Leela is like a drama or a movie performed on location. So there are extra benefits if you do it on location rather than in the studio where you have to put up props and so forth. So he actually takes birth. That's incredible. <laughs> so, so much affection she has for him. This is the idea that he's giving. That if you're raised by someone full of affection, then you, you know how to give affection. So if the guru raises the disciple with much affection, the disciple can give affection to others. That is the idea. So he said, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the son of Sachi. What is her devotion? What is her capacity to be affectionate? That is transferred to him. So generous he is. So affectionate. Making it so easy for us to approach. He says, this is the benediction. May he enter the cave. The dark, deep cave of your heart. Like a lion lives in a cave. Our heart's like a dark cave. May he go there with his golden complexion and make it glow and may he roar in there loudly Shri Krishna Sankirtan Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare Hare Krishna Varnam Tisha Krishnam he's of the, the category of Krishna or it means he who's always talking Krishna 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 who's always uttering Varnami syllable these syllables Krishna 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 he enter your heart and Trisa Krishna. He's Krishna, but he's not Krishna. It means he's black, but he's not black. He's opposite. He's golden. He's Krishna, but he's disguised as not being Krishna. Why? For the purpose of revealing Krishna. Think about it. What is our aim? To see Krishna? No. We are not interested to see Krishna. When will I see Krishna? Somebody asked. You got it all wrong. That's not what it's about. It's not about when will I see Krishna. Don't think when, first of all. And our goal is not to see Krishna. Where is it said anywhere? What is the goal? 
to have some service to Krishna. Look for that. And what happens? There he is. <laughs> That's where he is. So Mahaprabhu has come as a devotee of Krishna <laughs> to show Krishna, hiding the fact that he is Krishna, manifesting the form of the highest devotion to Krishna. If you understand this, he's so present there and people wonder, I don't know if Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is God. I can accept that Krishna is God, but I'm not sure about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They're not thinking very clearly. God has shown more clearly, more fully revealed Krishna than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu because he embodies the highest love of Krishna. He's hiding, but not very well, really. You understand? That love of Krishna, as I said earlier, and Krishna, they're one and the same. Achintya Beda Beda. One and different at the same time. So he think, may that love enter your heart that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu sonifies. It's brilliant like gold. Shines. It will dissipate all the darkness of Kali Yuga in the cave of your heart, like a lion enters the cave. The well, cave's kind of a dark, cold place. Lion go there and make it warm because he's a golden lion. <laughs> Lion-like, it means. It means like he had long arms. Gate walked like a lion. And Krishna describes all these. Then a roar like a lion. That he's always, always singing the syllables Krishna, Krishna. And that sound then in your heart, drowning out any other sound. All the other sounds in the heart. Do this. Serve me. Get me. So many people have set up like market in our heart, selling their wares. We're distracted by that. Rupa Goswami gives a benediction. May the son of Sachi enter your heart. And let him roar like a lion there and drown everybody else out. He's giving something more valuable than anyone else. And the price is cheap, Baba. Damn cheap, Baba. <laughs> you don't need anything to get that. You don't need money. You don't need a big brain. You don't have to be physically strong, anything. Just give your heart, and you're giving your heart anyway, somewhere. Give it to him. And why not? Just see who he is, how, how generous he is, what capacity he has to be affectionate, and so forth. So he says, this person who gives frame of himself, this person who's an ocean of sweetness, this person who's always tinged with the scent of budding youth, and who he assumed the form of Chaitanya Mahabhu, in which he, that person, Krishna, realized the highest excellence of transcendence that is Gopishu Nityam as eternally manifest in the Gopis. This is what this book is about. This is what he wants to say here. This book is about this. This kind of Prem. Ultimately, if we go through all types of orientation towards Krishna, beginning with tinged with devotion, then we end up with the zenith of, of bhakti and devotion embodied in the gopis. That's where the book will take us. He says that this kind of love, that's it, he, Krishna is completely finished by this love. Gopishunityam means that wherever Krishna is, Vrajandananda Krishna, whoever he's with at any time, Whatever devotee's offering he's accepting, gopis never leave his mind. Their love can never ever leave his mind, his heart. Not even for a moment. This is incredible. 
again, this is what his life is all about. So who loves him in any capacity in Braj is concerned with this. Do you understand? They're concerned with this. Well, they have they have a sentiment as a gopa or as like a mother. You don't think Mother Yashoda wants her son to be with Radharani? Oh, she does. There are impediments to that, but she does, actually. Sometimes we say there's opposition. She wants him to stay home at night. That's true. But certainly she wants him to... She thinks that Radharani is the perfect match for her son. Couldn't be a better match. But, of course, there were astrological problems in his chart and so forth. And all of this is to help bring out the parakia. Paramore love, and the super-excellence of that which the gopis are possessed of, and so forth. This is what this book is about. And what he's saying here is that this Krishna appeared in the form of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and in that form he experienced the excellence of the gopis' love that is eternally, that they're eternally fixed in, that Krishna can't take his mind off. So it's telling us that he showed us Krishna in this form of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, how to get that love. In the context of chanting the name, this should be the orientation, to get the love of Vrindavan, to extol the virtues of the gopis' love for Krishna. How? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna. What did he do? He followed in the footsteps of the gopis. Rupa says, Seva sadaka rupena siddha rupena chatrahi. This is the way. You have to follow in the wake of the people who have that kind of love. So identify the gopis' love as super excellent, and then he followed in their footsteps. That's what he did. So this is what we have to do. Make it simple. We should conceive of our guru. We think, if he's bringing us to that land, he must be a member there. So we will follow him. Whatever he or she says to do, that we will do that. It means follow the... This is the beginning idea. Keep it simple. Guru Bhakti. Follow the, the, the ways of our, our Guru Dev. This is a simple. Raghunuga Bhakti. It's a big complex topic. We make it real simple. Attach yourself to a, a member of that sector. Those kind of sentiments for Krishna, for Radha and Krishna, who can extol the virtues of that kind of love. Everything will come. Don't be worried too much about too many sophisticated types of practice. Everything will come in time. This kind of love for Krishna, you see, it's so wonderful. Krishna's just attracted by that. As I said earlier, he's not attracted very much. Krishna's not attracted to other kinds of approach to him. This just really gets his attention. This idea just captures his attention. So little interest in that goes a long way. You're on the same page with him, suddenly. You understand? That's <laughs> a big thing. To become interested in that. This is what our Gurudev comes to give. So we should think, yes, he has some inner feeling. I'm interested in that. This kind of Vrindavan love for Krishna that reaches its zenith in him, embodied in, in, in the gopis, his romantic life. So in this way, Sanatana Goswami has introduced his book with the first verse and given us some idea of what it's about. It's about Krishna. But more than that, if you want to know about Krishna, you have to know what is love for Krishna. It's about love for Krishna. And it's about the, ultimately, it's about the highest love for Krishna as manifest in the gopis, 
which Krishna himself came to taste and experience in the form of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Any question? Can I ask a question about the Shikshastaka? Mm-hmm. In the first verse, you refer to Chaitanya generally with the name Gora Krishna. Hmm. I didn't really get why you used particularly that name all the time. Gora Krishna in the first verse? Nice name, Krishna. <laughs> but uh, to emphasize that he's Krishna, it's like Prabhupada liked to emphasize that Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. So I want to emphasize that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna. Hmm? It's also the emphasis of Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the same Krishna. Come to speak about himself. I get questions sometimes about this, about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's divinity and so forth. And it's, how do I understand that? And why, if he's Krishna, why didn't it just come out and say it? Why did the scripture just come out and say it? Why all this, like, you know, double talk and twisted verse and this and, and that? And then they have a doubt like this. Well, they just make it clear if it's really, if it's really true. So, uh, that way I wanted to just, in my own thinking, or is Krishna. That's a fact. But with regard to those kind of questions, and that's a whole, you miss the whole point. You don't really understand this is his leela and how it works and why it's necessary to be hidden to some extent and so forth. And for a certain point, of course, once the devotees, his devotees come and his sampradaya has started, then their business is to bring all that out, show that it's not, uh, why other people wouldn't see it. Why it could be thought of like this, yes, but I mean, now there's no more no more point. Just like Sanatana Goswami's commentary on this uh, verse of Srimad Bhagavatam that speaks of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the eleventh canto, he says, uh, Karabhajana Muni says to the king, Maharajnimi, Krishna Varnam Tisakrishnam, I quoted this earlier, Krishna Varnam Tisakrishnam Sangopangastra Parshadam, Yagnaisan Kirtana Prayer Yajantihi Sumedasa. No one ever explained this verse to be Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu hadn't appeared at least not for a long time, right? But after he appeared, Sanatana Goswami, writing his commentary on Bhagavatam, explained this verse to be describing Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. People say, wait, it's never been described like that before, never been explained like that before. Other acharyas have explained it in different ways. What's this upstart understanding? You've identified somebody, you're from Bengal, pick some other Bengali, made him, you know, a yuga avatar, and so forth. And of course, there are places in the scripture that seem to say that there is no avatar for Kali Yuga. And uh, But if you read Sanatana's explanation with an ob- objective outlook, unprejudiced outlook, you think, Jesus, how could it be explained any other way? This is clear as a bell. This is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This is a pramana evidence from Bhagavat. You couldn't get a better reference to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And this is why he is, the way he is, and so forth and so on. So, there's a reason. There's a reason. If you think, well, why is it hidden? And you missed the whole point. It's hidden because he's coming as a devotee of himself. Because the thief tries to hide. He tried to steal Radharani's love. He had to hide. It's necessary. So, to ask that kind of question is to completely missed the whole point of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's descent. It's a special kind of descent. It's, it's, I mean, well, how can you say he's Krishna? This is why we say 
It's the Krishna in his most esoteric mood. That's a secret thing. Krishna doubting himself. If you tell this everywhere, the world will be, the religious world will become disturbed. Krishna doubted himself. He thought he was the king of love, but he saw that Radharani's love exceeded his. He thought, oh, who am I? Maybe I'm not the, the king of love. What, what to do? Of course, he's very resourceful, so he made an attempt at grand larceny in this way. So a thief has to hide. I mean, this is a poetic, of course, explanation of the whole thing. And we can live in such explanations. Philosophically speaking, then, if he's going to teach devotion to himself, then he has to come as a devotee to do it best. What is the best way of teaching? By precept or by example? Example is a better way. So he had to become a devotee. He wanted to do it in real clearly. Krishna came. Krishna taught about love of himself. Have you read Bhagavad Gita? He's teaching about it to become my devotee. There's some things he told Uddhava and Bhagavatam and so forth. No? He exemplified love. Well, he showed himself. He came with his devotees and showcased that kind of love. But to actually teach it, you know, he did an okay job. <laughs> but, he, you know, he figured, well, he, he, he wanted to do it really comprehensively. Then I'm going to go and teach it myself. I'm going to become a devotee and show the example. There's no better way to teach that. So because he, Krishna wanted to give himself, and, and we cannot have him without Chaitanya. He wanted to give himself, so he came in a form to make himself available. Does that make sense? Of course. And that's a disguised form, because he's not the shelter of love, he's the object of love. But he's taking the position as the shelter of love, the embodiment of love, the highest love, to teach the uh, most comprehensive way to approach and satisfy Krishna. So if you ask that kind of question, I have doubt about why, how could Chaitanya Mahaprabhu God? Why is it hidden? Why don't they just come out and say it? You just don't understand at all who is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So this is the kind of answers you have to give. No cause for doubt. And this is the way it should have been. No, no, no other way. And if he had told everything about him before he came, everyone would wait for him. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> It would be an easy way to go. People with other yugas and so forth. They said, I'll wait. We're so foolish. <laughs> the time is here and we're not taking advantage of it. Therefore, the importance for understanding these things. This is what this is for, to really uh, try to help us appreciate this. This is really pertinent thing that happened, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's descent. I mean, we're busy with so many things apparently important in our lives and so forth. And people ask me some, well, you know, what does this really have to do with my life? Modern life has everything to do with what you could be. Your life is about being happy. That's what it's about. Nothing else. Every action that you perform is informed by some knowledge in pursuit of perfect happiness. That's what everybody wants. How much have you got? How close are you? be perfectly happy and if you say well I'm pretty close and we have to ask well what's it based on I have this I have that and then we have to say that could be gone tomorrow now what what does this have to do with me here now a lot what do you want you want happiness how much have you got how much do you want unlimited no distress factor how close are you 
Oh, well, not very close to that. So this is the knowledge that will inform the kind of action that will bring that kind of fruit. And we have to talk about it a thousand different ways just to try to bring the point home. This is relevant. Prabhupada had great power to do that. It was amazing. Amazing. See, his power to convey to people the urgency of Krishna consciousness so that they would just get so busy in the, in the practice. I'm trying also to convey to you this is, this is an important thing that happened. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came for you. What else? Any other thoughts, questions, comments? Yes, Kashangi. Uh, I had a question that's like outside the theme of the class, but we've been talking about how we in our personal lives like often are the only ones representing our faith and and also you to the people surrounding us. People surrounding the Vaishnavas, they know, but we don't like fit the cliche or the ideal of someone who's who's a spiritual person, like an ascetic, because we don't live that simply. So we've been wondering if we should kind of uh, try to be more like that ideal to somehow uh, represent the tradition better to the people. I don't know if I'm mm-hmm. explaining this that well, but mm-hmm. you catch what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. You're thinking that if you, your words and activities in, in relation to people will have more power. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. If, if you're more renounced. Yeah, in my dealings with people so that they would so that I could conform more to, to their idea of someone who's... Yeah, it's uh-huh. like the thought, I think, is that it feels a little bit hypocritical to speak about spirituality and then as we are surrounded by quite massive amounts of material assets and more more than many others. So then we're speaking about spirituality and people look at, for instance, our home and say, how, how can this be? That there is this contradiction and this, this is something we've been speaking about, how to harmonize in that sense. That well, there's a couple of things that I could say about that. And one thing is that after all, we have to teach people what spiritual life is. And it might be a little different than what they think. They may have some idea what it means to be spiritual and how one should act. And it may not be such an accurate picture. That's one way of answering your question. And they need to be educated. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur, he, he made a poem once. And it was, I believe, on the occasion of moving the deities from where they were staying, maybe in a rented facility in Calcutta, to the famous Bhagwazar Moth, which was a marble temple. And uh, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthitaka started his preaching in Mayapur, and he had nothing. As a renunciate, he had no facilities, and there were very little. 
the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Bhaktivinoda Thakur gave him as a place to preach from, establish devotion there, and so forth. But uh, there were, you know, Bengali, Bengal tigers there at the time, and so forth. It was a jungle, cobras, and and so forth. So gradually, he was preaching. More and more people came, and so forth. And at one point, they got a temple in Calcutta, which was just like wild idea. Devotees wouldn't go to Calcutta. That was like material world. They were living in the Dom. But he got this temple and it was built out of marble, which was, this was a long, long time ago. So it was a very, you know, expensive kind of thing. It was, you know, it was like building a skyscraper in Helsinki, you know, with all the bells and whistles and doormen, you know, open the door for people and, and so forth. A building that just really stuck out. And then performing worship there. So when they moved the deities, from the temporary facility into the temple, he gave this song, part of which is Pujala Ragapata Gaurava Bange Matala Hadijana Vishayarange. Sridhar liked this very much, inscribed it on the, in, his, in his temple. It's one of his favorite lines. And the implication of it is that the Moth residents, residents of the Mosque, they were all beggars, but they were living in. In Eastern Calcutta, in a marble palace, they were going out asking everybody for money and living in a marble palace. And so, this verse sought to address this idea that the people who are object, the devotees, the highest devotees, that everything within my power, within the world anything of value within the world, it should be used in glorification of them. Mishayarange. So they went out, they were beggars, but spending more money than rich people. Spending money like in ways that even rich people wouldn't spend money. Taking the deity, putting the deity on a marble altar and getting a golden crown and all these things. Like rich people, you know, they're little. You know, they're gonna be a little careful how they spend some of their money, and they were just these people were just like collecting it in buckets and just whoosh, spending it on the deity, whoosh, whoosh, like that. So they were beggars, but they were spending more money and, than the wealthy people. So this had to be explained. Because the typical person thought, well, the, you know, the, who's a spiritual person, he lives in Mayapur in a jungle, you know, eats only Tulsi leaves on a codice and, <laughs> and fasts the rest of the month. And, and, and so people have their stereotyped conceptions. Bhaktisiddhanta was seeking to break that mold and give them a, a different idea, a more clear idea. So using everything, uh, all of the things that people think dear and whatnot, to take them and use them in Krishna's service, put them in the fire of sacrifice, and to serve the ragmarg, which is such a high thing, means the, the, the path of the, of the people of Braj, what they're doing, to serve that by taking all the things that we have here that we think we're val- that are valuable and throwing them in the fire of Sankirtan. Just throw it in the fire, send it to take it, your money, throw it in here. This idea. And of course, then something would, would manifest from that money that would look like material comforts and opulence and, and so on and so forth. 
but the consciousness of the people remained the same, like a bank teller. Millions of dollars go through her hands every day, but at least she's not supposed to think for a moment of, you know, she's thinking for a moment of spending it. It's just, you know, it's just gonna just like ruin her day. You know, she says, let the money go in, put it in the drawer, give it out when appropriate. And it's just like paper to them. You go and you look around at all that money there. Wow, how much money, wow, if I was, geez. They can't think like that, hmm? right? Yeah. No, because if they think like that, then it becomes a cancer. Next thing they'll be making a plot. Next thing they'll be caught and put in jail. So, so something like that. They were beggars. They were and so much money was coming through him, but they remained as as beggars, begging for Krishna. And in that context, then some of the money would be spent on themselves too. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsthi Thakur used to criticize Sri Ramachandra. Tell them to get their better clothes. As he used to, you know, kind of keep in the background, wearing the tattered cloth and so forth. He should dress nicely. But he wanted the preachers to dress to the public. I mean, he wore, a, you know, patent leather shoes. He drove in a big motor car. People thought, what kind of spirituality is this guy? What is this? But he was doing this to, to like, break people's misconceptions, which would often take them to some crazy guy who stood on stood on one leg, you know. There was a guy like that on the path in the Parikram trail around Vrindavan who decided he was going to stand on one leg until people would build him a temple and other facilities and so forth. So that's what he did. He was a yogi, had his hair all, you know, matted locks and all tied up like that. And he would stand, he had a little armrest swing from a tree, and he stood on one leg for a long time. And to people who came and just threw money at him. Now he's got a big temple and everything like that, and he's got a whole parampara of one leg standers. <laughs> I visited him one day, I, walking by, and he motioned me to come in. And there was one guy standing there on one leg, and, and he was just stoned out of his mind. He offered me just if I wanted to smoke some, some hashish. That's what they do. They get all, you know, they use that in their meditation. They concentrate their mind and just numb the pain of standing on one leg. I mean, Haranyakashipu stood on, you know, what, his toes as an austerity. So people will throw money at this and be attracted to this kind of thing. Somebody lays on a bed of nails and wow, bends a spoon, you know, with their mind and, and so forth. But someone chants Hare Krishna, they think you're crazy. So anyway... <laughs> So that they, that the people would not be uh, cheated, he made a big push to teach them what is devotion, which, what is bhakti, which is a very, very subtle subject matter. But to speak of rag bhakti, it's very difficult to understand what it really is. Even we're involved in it, we don't quite get it. That's why all this teaching, siksha, has to go on again and again and again. So that's one thing. We don't necessarily have to fit into a mold that that people think is, is spiritual. We need to educate them what spiritual life is. That's one thing. The other side of it is, of course, that if you feel yourself that you could reduce your own material situation to one that was more simple and that you would feel more more honest and that you're being drawn by your practice and your preaching in that direction to give up a standard of living that you don't feel you really need and it, it, in your own mind it just doesn't 
work that well with with what your ideal is and and so forth and sometimes you feel compromised if you're thinking like that then it that would be good you understand I mean ultimately you will feel like that and you feel that all this could be used so much more could be used in Krishna's service and that becomes your happiness that becomes your joy to see that to see the mission spread and so forth and see start using your resources for that selling your property and you know building a temple or printing books and or whatever it is then that that's another way of looking I kind of gave the high end the other side and then the lower end but it may be uh, be a little of both but that's practical those that kind of feeling should come in one and you think yeah I could simplify my life I don't need it then those resources could be used for spreading Krishna consciousness. Does that help? So, different ways to to think about it. All right, so we'll stop there. Shri Sanatana Goswami Prabhu Ki Jai, Guru Vaishnav Guru Parampara Ki Jai, Brihat Bhagavatam Ritu Ki Jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai, Gauri Premanandai.